Skeleton. Ellie sat there, brushed a strand of blonde hair back from her face and turned her attention to the acid baths. She had six in a row. At molar strengths from 5 to 30%, she had to keep an eye on the stronger solutions because they would eat through the limestone and begin to erode the bones. And infant dinosaur bones were so fragile. She marvelled that it had even been preserved at all after 80 million years. Miss Levine, this is Alan Grant. What's this all about? A, you have what? A what? <laughs> he began to laugh. <laughs> oh, I doubt that very much, Miss Levine. <laughs> no, 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 I, I, I really, I really don't have the time, I'm sorry. Well, I'd like to look at it. But I can pretty much guarantee it's a, a basilisk lizard. But, yes, you can do that. All right. Send it now. Grant hung up and shook his head. These people, Ellie said. What's it about? Some lizard she's trying to identify, Grant said. She's going to fax me the x-ray. He walked over to the fax and waited for the transmission came through. Incidentally, I've got a new find for you, a good one. Yes? Grant nodded. Found it just before the kid showed up on South Hill, Horizon 4. Infant Velociraptor. Jaw and complete dentition. So there's no question about identity, and the site looks undisturbed. We might even get a full skeleton. That's fantastic, Ellie said. How young? Young, Grant said. Two, maybe four months at most. And it's definitely a Velociraptor? Definitely, Grant said. Maybe our luck has finally turned. For the last two years at Snakewater, the team had excavated only duck-billed hadrosaurs. They already had evidence for vast herds of these grazing dinosaurs roaming the Cretaceous Plains in groups of ten or twenty thousand, as buffalo would later roam. But increasingly, the question that faced them was, where were the predators? They expected predators to be rare, of course. Studies of predator-prey populations in the game parks of Africa and India suggested that, roughly speaking, there was one predatory carnivore for every 400 herbivores. That meant a herd of 10,000 duckbills would support only 25 tyrannosaurs. So it was unlikely that they would find the remains of a large predator. But where were the smaller predators? Snakewater had dozens of nesting sites in some places. The ground was literally covered with fragments of dinosaur eggshells, and many small dinosaurs ate eggs. Animals like Dromaeosaurus, Oviraptor, Velociraptor, and Colurus, predators three to six feet tall, must have been found here in abundance. But there are discovered none so far. Perhaps this Velociraptor skeleton did mean their luck had changed. And an infant! Ellie knew that one of Grant's dreams was to study infant-rearing behaviour in carnivorous dinosaurs as he had already studied the behaviour of herbivores. Perhaps this was the first step towards that dream. You must be pretty excited, Ellie said. Grant didn't answer. I said you must be excited, Ellie repeated. My God, Grant said. He was staring at the facts. Ellie looked over Grant's shoulder at the x-ray and breathed out slowly. You think that's an amasicus? Yes, Grant said. 
or a triassicus. The skeleton is so light. But it's no lizard, she said. No, Grant said. This is not a lizard. No three-toed lizard has walked the planet for two hundred million years. Ellie's first thought was that she was looking at a hoax, an ingenious, skilful hoax. But a hoax nonetheless. Every biologist knew that the threat of a hoax was omnipresent. The most famous hoax, the Piltdown Man, had gone undetected for forty years, and its perpetrator was still unknown. More recently, the distinguished astronomer Fred Hoyle had claimed that the fossil-winged dinosaur Archaeopteryx, on display at the British Museum, was a fraud. It was later shown to be genuine. The essence of a successful hoax was that it presented scientists with what they expected to see, and to Ellie's eye, the X-ray image of the lizard was exactly correct. The free-toed foot was well balanced, with the medial claw smallest, the bony remnants in the fourth and fifth toes were located up near the metatarsal joint. The tibia was strong and considerably longer than the femur. At the hip, the acetabulum was complete. The towel showed 45 vertebrae. It was Procumsognathus. Could this x-ray be faked? I don't know, Grant said. But it's almost impossible to fake an x-ray and Procumsognathus is an obscure animal. Even people familiar with dinosaurs have never heard of it. Ellie read the note. Specimen acquired on the beach of Cabo Blanco, July 16. Apparently a howler monkey was eating the animal, and this was all that was recovered. Oh, and it says the lizard attacked a little girl. I doubt that, Grant said, but perhaps... Procumsognathus was so small and light, we assume it must have been a scavenger, only feeding off dead creatures. And you can tell the size, he measured quickly. It's about 20 centimeters to the hip, which means the full animal would be about a foot tall. About as big as a chicken. Even a child would look pretty fearsome to it. It might bite an infant, but not a child. Ellie frowned at the x-ray image. You think this could really be a legitimate rediscovery? She said. Like the coelacanth? Maybe, Grant said. The coelacanth was a five foot long fish thought to have died out 65 million years ago until a specimen was pulled out from the ocean in 1938. But there were other examples. The Australian mountain pygmy possum was known only from fossils until a live one was found in a garbage can in Melbourne. And a 10,000 year old fossil Fruit bat from New Guinea was discovered by a zoologist who not long afterwards received a living specimen in the mail. But could it be real? she persisted. What about the age? Grant nodded. The age is a problem. Most rediscovered animals are rather recent additions to the fossil record, ten or twenty thousand years old. Some were a few million years old, in the case of the coelacanth, sixty-five million years old. But the specimen they were looking at was much, much older than that. Dinosaurs had died out in the Cretaceous period 65 million years ago. They had flourished as the dominant life form on the planet in the Jurassic 190 million years ago. And they had first appeared in the Triassic roughly 220 million years ago. It was during the early Triassic period that the Proconsognathus had lived, a time so distant that our planet didn't even look the same. All the continents were joined together in a single land mass called Pangaea. 
which extracted from the north to the south pole a vast continent of ferns and forests with a few large deserts. The Atlantic Ocean was a narrow lake between what would become Africa and Florida. The air was denser. The land was warmer. There were hundreds of active volcanoes, and it was in this environment that Prokonsognathus lived. Well, Ellie said, we know some animals have survived. Crocodiles are basically Triassic animals living in the present. Sharks are Triassic. So we know it has happened before. Grant nodded. And the thing is, he said, how else do we explain it? It's either a fake, which I doubt, or else it's a rediscovery. What else could it be? The phone rang. Alice Levine again, Grant said. Let's see if she'll send us the actual specimen. He answered it and looked at Ellie in surprise. Yes, I'll hold for you, Mr. Hammond. Yes, of course. Hammond? What does he want? Ellie said. Grant shook his head, and then said into the phone, Yes, yes, Mr. Hammond, yes, it's good to hear your advice too, yes. He looked at Ellie. Oh, you did? Oh, yes, is that right? He cupped his hand over the mouthpiece and said, Still as eccentric as ever. You gotta hear this. Grant pushed the speaker button, and Ellie heard a raspy old man's voice speaking rapidly. Hell of an annoyance from some EPA fellow seems to have gone off half-cocked, and all on his own. Running round the country, talking to people, stirring up things. I don't suppose anybody's come to see you, way out there. As a matter of fact, Rand said, somebody did come to see me, Hammond snorted. <laughs> I was afraid of that smart-ass kid named Morris. Yes, his name was Morris, Grant said. He's going to see all of our consultants, Hammond said. He went to see Ian Malcolm the other day, you know, the mathematician from Texas. That's the first I knew of it. We're having one hell of a time getting a handle on this thing. It's typical of the way government operates. There isn't any complaint, there isn't any change. Just harassment from some kid who's unsupervised and is running around at the taxpayer's expense. Did he bother you? Disrupt your work? No, no, he didn't bother me. Well, that's too bad in a way, Hammond said. Because I would try to get an injunction to stop him if he had, I had our lawyers come over at EPA to find out what the hell their problem is. The head of the office claimed he didn't know there was any investigation. You'll figure that one out. Damn bureaucracy is what it is. Hell, I think this kid's trying to get me down to Costa Rica. Poke around, get into our island. You know we have an island down there? No, Grant said, looking at Eddie. I didn't know. Oh, yes, we brought it and started our operation, oh, four or five years ago. I forgot exactly called Isla Nublar, Big Island, hundred miles offshore. Going to be a biological preserve. Wonderful place. Tropical jungle, you know. You up to see it, Dr. Grant. Sounds interesting, Grant said. But actually, it's almost finished now, you know, Hammond said. I've sent you some material about it. Did you get my material? No, but we're pretty far from... Maybe it'll be coming later today. Look it over. The island's just beautiful. It's got everything. 
We've been in construction now for 30 months. You can imagine, big park. Opens in September next year. You really ought to go see it. It sounds wonderful, but as a matter of fact, Hammond said, I'm going to insist you see it, Dr. Grant. I know you'd find it right up your alley. You'd find it fascinating. I'm in the middle of, uh, Grant said. Say, uh, I'll tell you what, Hammond said, as if the idea had just occurred to him. I'm having some of the people who consulted for us to go down there for this weekend. Spend a few days and look over it. At our expense, of course. It'd be terrific if you could give us your opinion. Uh, I, I couldn't possibly, Grant said. Oh, just, just the weekend, Hammond said, with the irritating, cheery persistence of an old man. That's all I'm talking about, Dr. Grant. I wouldn't want to interrupt your work. I know how important that work is, believe me. I know. Never interrupt your work. But you could hop on down there this weekend and be back by Monday. No, I, I, I couldn't, Grant said. I've just found a new skeleton. Yes, fine, fine, but I still think you should come, Hammond said, not really listening. And we've just received some evidence for a very puzzling and remarkable find, which seems to be a living procumsagnified. Oh, what? Hammond said, slowing down. I didn't quite get that. You said a living procumsagnified? That's right, Grant said. It's a biological specimen, a partially fragment of an animal collected from Central America. A living animal. You don't say, Hammond said. A living animal. How extraordinary. Yes, Grant said. So, you see, this isn't the time for me to be leaving. Central America, did you say? Yes. Where in Central America is it from, do you know? A beach called Cabo Blanco. I don't know exactly where. I see. Hammond cleared his throat. <clears throat> and when did this uh, specimen arrive in your hands? Just today. Today? Ah, I see. Today. I see, yes. Hammond cleared his throat again. Grant looked at Ellie and mouthed, What's going on? Ellie shook her head. Sounds upset. Grant mouthed, See if Morris is still here. She went to the window and looked out, but Morris's car was gone. She turned back. On the speaker, Hammond coughed. <coughs> ah, Dr. Grant, have you told anybody about it yet? No. Good, that's, uh, that's good. Well, well, yes. I'll tell you frankly, Dr. Grant, I'm having a little problem about this island. This EPA thing is coming at just the wrong time. How's that? Grant said. Well, we've had our problems and some delays. Let's just say that I'm under a little pressure here, and I'd like you to look at the island for me. Give me your opinion. I'll be paying you the usual weekend consultant rate of 20,000 a day. That'll be 60,000 for three days, and you can spare Dr. Settler. She'll go at the same rate. We need a botanist. What, uh, what do you say? Ellie looked at Gran as he said, Well, Mr. Hammond, that much money would fully finance our expedition. Uh, for the next two summers. Good, good, Hammond said blandly. He seemed distracted now, his thoughts elsewhere. I want this to be easy. Now, um, I'm sending a corporate jet to pick you up as a private airfield custody show too. 
You know the one I mean? It's only about two hours' drive from where you are. You be there at 5pm tomorrow and I'll be waiting for you. And take you right down. Can you and Dr. Sattler make the plane? I guess we can. Good. Pack lightly. You don't need passports. I'm looking forward to it. See you tomorrow, Hammond said, and he hung up. Cowan, Swain and Ross Midday sun streamed into the San Francisco law offices of Cowan, Swain and Ross, giving the room a cheerfulness that Donald Gennaro did not feel. He listened on the phone and looked at his boss, Daniel Ross, cold as an undertaker in his dark, pinstripe suit. I understand, John, Gennaro said. And Grant agreed to come? Good, good. Yes, that sounds fine to me. Uh, my congratulations, John. He hung up the phone and turned to Ross. We can't trust Hammond anymore. He's under too much pressure. The EPA investigating him, he's behind schedule on his Costa Rican resort, and the investors are getting nervous. There have been too many rumors of problems down there. Too many workmen have died, and now this business about a living procom whatever on the mainland. What does that mean? Ross said. Maybe nothing, Gennaro said, but Hamachi is one of our principal investors. I got a report last week from Hamachi's representative in San Jose, the capital of Costa Rica. According to the report, some new kind of lizard is biting children on the coast. Ross blinked. New lizard? Yes, Gennaro said. We can't screw around with this. We've got to inspect the island right away. I've asked Hammond to arrange independent site inspections every week for the next three weeks. And what does Hammond say? He insists nothing is wrong with the island, claims he has all the security precautions. But you don't believe him? Ross said. No, Gennaro said. I don't. Donald Gennaro had come to Cohen Swain from the background investment banking. Cohen Swain's high-tech clients frequently needed capitalization, and Gennaro helped them find the money. One of his assignments back in 1982 had been to accompany John Hammond while the old man, then nearly 70, put together the funding to start the InGen Corporation. They eventually raised almost a billion dollars, and Gennaro remembered it as a wild ride. Hammond's a dreamer, Gennaro said. A potential dangerous dreamer, Ross said. We should never have gotten involved. What is our financial position? The firm, Gennaro said, owns 5%. Ge general or limited? General. Ross shook his head. We should never have done that. It seems wise at the time, Gennaro said. Hell, it was eight years ago. We took it in the in lieu of the, some fees. And if you remember, Hammond's plan was extremely speculative. He was really pushing the envelope. Nobody really thought he could pull it off. But apparently he has, Ross said. In any case, I agree that an inspection is overdue. Why? What about the side experts? I'm starting with experts Hammond already hired as consultants early in the project. Gennaro tossed a list onto Rossi's desk. First group is a paleontologist, a paleobotanist, and a mathematician. They go down this weekend. I'll, I'll go with them. Will they tell you the truth? Ross said. I think so, but none of them had much to do with the island, and 
One of them, the mathematician Ian Malcolm, was openly hostile to the project from the start. He insisted uh, it would never work. Could never work. And who else? Just a technical person, uh, the computer system analyst. Review the, the park's computers and fix some bugs. He should be there by Friday morning. Fine, Ross said. You're making the arrangements. Hammond asked to place the calls himself. I think he wants to pretend that he's not in trouble, that it's just a social invitation, showing off the island. All right, Ross said, but just make sure it happens. Stay on top of it. I want this Costa Rican situation resolved within the week. Ross got up and walked out of the room. Gennaro dialed, heard the whining hiss of the radio phone. Then he heard the voice say, Grant here. Hi, Dr. Grant, this is uh, Donald Gennaro. I'm a general counsel for InGen. We talked a few years back. I don't know if you remember. I remember, Grant said. Well, Gennaro said, I just got off the phone with John Hammond, who tells me the good news that you're coming down to our island in Costa Rica. Yes, Grant said. I guess we're going down there tomorrow. Well, I just want to extend my thanks to you for doing this on such short notice. Everybody at InGen appreciates it. We've asked uh, Ian Malcolm, who, like you, was on the early consultants, to come down as well. He's the mathematician at UT in Austin. John Hammond mentioned that, Grant said. Well, good, Gennaro said. And I'll be coming too, as a matter of fact. By the way, this specimen you have found is a, of a pro, pro com, uh, what is it? Proconsomnifus, Grant said. Yes, do you have the specimen with you, Dr. Grant? The actual specimen? No, Grant said. I've only seen the x-ray. The specimen is in New York. A woman from Columbia University called me. Well, I wonder if you could give me the details on that, Gennaro said. Then I can run down that specimen for Mr. Hammond, who's very excited about it. I'm sure you want to see the actual specimen, too? Perhaps I can even get it delivered to the island while you're down there, Gennaro said. Grant gave him the information. Well, that's fine, Dr. Grant, Gennaro said. My regards to Dr. Sattler. I look forward to meeting you and him tomorrow. And Gennaro hung up.